Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Loop Podcast. This is the podcast where B2B marketers can stay in the loop with what works today when it comes to marketing to the modern B2B buyer. My name is Jamie Skills. I'm Senior Demand Generation Manager here at Cognizant. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Christina Papillion, who's um, Calm's Senior, Calm Business's Senior Global Campaigns Marketing Manager. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Christina. Thanks so much, Jamie. Excited to be here. Great. Um, so today we're just going to be talking about how to build successful demand generation campaigns. Um, and just to kick us off, Christina, it'd be great if you could give the listeners some context about sort of your role at Calm, uh, Calm Business more generally, um, and just give a quick intro to yourself as well. Yeah, of course. So um, as Jamie noted, so I currently work at Calm, which is a mental health app and company. I own global campaigns and I support mainly our B2B division, Calm Business. So for those of you who are not familiar with Calm, it's a preventative mental health tool and app offering meditations, sleep stories, guided movement, music, conversations, and all-around mental health well-being. In terms of um, our organization and what we're um, kind of built as, we have 380 full-time employees with about 125 of those supporting the B2B division. Perfect. Yeah. My girlfriend actually loves Calm, so she'd be quite excited to know I'm doing this today with you. <laughs> I love to hear that. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, just to sort of move into demand generation and demand generation of Calm, it would be great to get an idea of what the demand gen team and the demand gen function looks like at Calm, how you guys think about it and what that team is sort of set up like. Yeah, of course. So how we think about demand gen at Calm Business is a relatively new concept. So I joined the team last December and the majority of our seven person demand gen team started after I did. So we are a pretty new team. But since I joined, I have really been responsible for building out our integrated campaign strategy in addition to top of funnel global campaigns. So we have another team member who supports middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel campaigns, primarily running nurture streams, email marketing, another team member who owns all paid programs, third party paid social display ads, retargeting, and then a few others in events, field marketing and growth marketing. So in regards to integrated campaigns and just seeing campaigns through that integrated campaigns lens, it's been a really fun and impactful initiative and one that the team adapted to quickly and energetically. Prior to the integrated campaign kind of structure, things were a little bit more ad hoc, um, content themes weren't as defined. And so it's been nice to have these like big rock content pieces for the quarter or even like the half of the year and have different campaigns and programs rolling up into these larger campaigns. Cool. That's interesting because it sounds like there's a lot of the team specialized, particularly in like certain areas like you have obviously dedicated people for events, dedicated people for field marketing, um, people sort of manage different parts of the funnel by the sounds of it as well. Um, yeah. Really um, which is a more new concept for myself as well, having such specialized roles within a relatively lean team. So the overall marketing team is just shy of 20. I think we're at about 18 right now. And so the demand gen team really is very specialized roles and it creates a, a good motion of pushing prospects through the funnel, having other people kind of owning all different parts, but it does 
ask for more cohesiveness within the demand gen team and especially for my role and running these integrated campaigns, needing to make sure that everyone is really in lockstep with the campaigns that we are running so that each role is aligned to what we're doing and that they can be as impactful as possible. Perfect. I suppose just to sort of expand from there, actually, because obviously we're here to talk about how to build successful campaigns. It would be cool to get an idea of like within that framework of your team you just mentioned, like what's the process for sort of building campaigns and like what does like the, the sort of structure of campaigns look like in terms of starting new ones, like what's always on, things like that would be great to get some insight into. Yeah, so my process for starting any of my demand generation campaigns really varies on the size of the campaign that I'm building, but a few steps that remain constant are always aligning with our content marketing team, making sure that we're aligned with either content that is on their roadmap or content that we've aligned for that quarter, um, setting campaign goals, of course, creating a campaign brief, um, making sure that everyone is aligned through campaign kickoff calls, and of course, dumping everything into our project management tool. So um, I really try and give a robust outlook of one, like why we're choosing to run with a certain campaign, why uh, the messaging is important and where that comes from, and then um, enabling each function of the campaigns down to the sales team enablement, which is a really important piece for really any campaign, but especially these large integrated campaigns that are run for a quarter, half the year, a year, and making sure that any new programs that are coming into this like larger campaign, that we're not losing sight of what that campaign theme is and the things that are rolling up into that campaign. Cool. I do you know what I'd be quickly get interested to to hear a little bit more on. Cause like at Cognizant, for example, so the way that our sort of campaigns are structured, it's sort of a bit different to what I'd worked on in previous roles where paid um the paid engine the sort of the paid ad engine is a massive massive driver for us um and so we have a lot of what we'd call always on campaigns running 24 7 365 days of the year and that's like a constant sort of tweaking and optimizing process um but alongside those and that's really like the big sort of like um sort of driver for us but alongside those what we typically run quarterly is what we'd call our big rock campaigns which is more themed more sort of geared towards a specific goal for that quarter that's tied up into the business goals um it'd be interesting just to hear quickly sort of like how does that split look like do you sort of like plan it quarterly or is it like do you look at sort of like theme campaigns or is there like an always on element to it um i'd just be interested to hear a little bit more about that yeah so we also use the term big rock uh but we use it more like in the concept of like big rock assets. So if we're coming out with, um, so next year, we're kicking off the year with our 2024 mental health trends report. And so that's our yearly report where we really dive into um, the data around our like specific, our users of our app. And then we also partner with a research company that helps, helps us bring this report to fruition. But um, yeah, so it comes down to we have our always on campaigns. So some of our, our themes that are really evergreen. So mindful management, work stress. Um, those are some really big ones that our paid performance manager is like constantly running. And we do see a lot of success with those. And then um, in terms of these like smaller programs and things that are rolling up into this campaign, we're making sure that the content themes that we're choosing are 
they're relevant in terms of like what we're seeing in the market and what our competitors are running. Um, anything that is like really doing well within our D2C app. And so we try to partner with the D2C team as well. And that's something that it's a, it's a muscle that we're learning to use. It hasn't historically been that we work so closely with them, but we're trying to move in that motion because the D2C team has a lot more insight before we even have that insight. And so being able to get ahead of that messaging is a really kind of important and um, lucky piece for us to have, um, which is really specific to, I think, the mental health space being that it's so relevant and highly talked about. And then in terms of like setting these content themes and campaign themes, that's another thing that we are, we're constantly trying to optimize how we are outlining the content throughout the year. And there's always the times that we'll pivot and that things don't really resonate as we thought they did, or something comes up that wasn't planned for like a product release that is something that we need to pivot to quickly and see how we can like support our product marketing team, our product team and really leverage that messaging. And so all of these things are definitely a working model, especially since I've been at Calm for a little bit less than a year. And like I mentioned before, prior to kind of setting these big themes, we were really kind of just rolling with it as the year went on and not having as much structure. And so we're learning to get even more structured with our campaign themes. It also gives us the opportunity to say no if people come to us from different departments and they have a great idea. Everybody always has great ideas for the marketing team and um, gives us the opportunity to let them know that, you know, we have campaign themes already outlined. If it makes sense, we're more than happy to filter those things into our um, quarterly or year long plan. But having a structure really does help with the team that is a lean team and um, gives us time to to measure our campaigns to make sure that we're not pivoting too quickly. Yeah, I think that's actually a really important point what you mentioned about having a structure in place that allows you to sort of like have a conversation and a dialogue with other teams or even members of your own team about like what you're focused on and what you're not. Because I've definitely been in a position myself in the past where because things like like you mentioned, maybe it's like you're at a stage where things are quite ad hoc, um, you're sort of doing things on the fly, um, it's very easy to then hear a good idea and run with it but then you're constantly on chasing that wheel of like okay we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this um where i feel like yeah there needs to be and that i think it comes back to the topic we're talking about actually in terms of running successful campaigns there needs to be an overarching structure and it sounds like to me you have your themes and your overarching sort of like pillars in the ground which you're focused on but you've still got enough room to be agile with if you see something that's interesting and like something there's space to explore that and test new ideas um which sounds like a really nice flexible approach yeah exactly and so i think somewhere in the middle of like the detailed structure of the year or the quarter with also a little bit of wiggle room knowing that there's always going to be things that pop up and um being able to accept those ideas, but also have the boundaries is is always a tricky battle, but one that I think most marketers face. Yeah, definitely. Um, I to just actually, I'll move on to one of the fun bits of this actually is ask a little bit about sort of some of the favorite, your basically favorite campaigns that you've worked on personally. 
um, and some campaigns that stand out to you as um, really memorable that you've worked on. Um, so it'd be great to get some insight into that. Yeah, of course. So I have a handful at the top of mind, but um, one that I, I'll highlight for the purpose of this is, so pr I previously worked at um, a company called MongoDB and uh, I was a strategic marketing manager there. So um, ABM and it was one to one account. So I only marketed to four different accounts, but I saw an opportunity. And so I had other counterparts that were doing the same thing. There were several of us on this strategic marketing team and we were all running really similar motions. And this was also kind of the moment that it clicked that maybe one-to-one -one ABM wasn't, wasn't for me because I was always wanting to kind of look at these more scalable campaigns. Mm. And so uh, one of the campaigns that I ran there was called Move to MongoDB. And essentially I created a campaign that was anchored in a half day virtual event. And this, these sessions that were part of the virtual event were equivalent to what my team members were running across all of their different accounts using a very small team with a really thin bandwidth, our, our developer relations team. And so I went to them and I was like, do you have any interest in like, they were doing in-person events and flying these guys all across the world. And I was like, do you have any interest in like taking these virtual and making it like a little bit more scalable? And they're like, oh my gosh, yes, I would love that. And so out of that, I uh, created this campaign, moved to MongoDB. Like I said, it was a half day virtual event and the agenda covered all aspects of moving to MongoDB. So um, the importance, debunking myths about MongoDB and relational databases, conversations around implementation, offering one-on-one -on -one meetings with these expert team members. And it gave us an opportunity to still have these one-to-one -one ABM approaches within each account through uh, branding and just like pain points that might speak to what these accounts were looking for, but also gave me the opportunity to scale something, um, completely plan and execute from start to finish a true uh, one-man band one girl band and um, have it be my, what I like to do with agendas especially is start with something that's more thought leadership, which is what I did. I, the um, director of developer relations laid the kind of groundwork and where he's coming from and then move attendees through like the process of like, why is this important? Um, where does our product come into play? open it up for more more questions in kind of that casual conversation, like a fireside chat, which is what we did, um, and then get more into that nitty gritty like demo aspect. And so hit on all aspects versus just having like maybe a product webinar demo, a product webinar demo or having um, like one singular like thought leadership webinar. So giving the opportunity to pull different lever levers when you already have your audience there. So um, this was more or less an integrated campaign. Um, it was extensive on social. There was a hashtag involved to try to get people like engaged on LinkedIn. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite to date. It was um, right before I left. And so I know it was repeated through a couple other team members and um, it was a really rewarding campaign. So it was cool to see. Yeah, that actually sounds really interesting because I think what you typically see with some plays like that is what you mentioned. Sometimes it can be like a, a product webinar um, or like a very typical, but I like the way you've positioned it as sort of moved to MongoDB and it was very much sort of like centered in that theme. Is it quite, was it quite, a, well, it sounds like it was, but it sounds like it's quite a saturated market. Um, so it's, 
not as much of a saturated market mar- uh, market for MongoDB because they focus on relational databases mm-hmm. for, or um, non-relational databases versus relationable, relational. <laughs> um, clearly, I'm an expert in the field. And, <laughs> um, and so it wasn't that it was so saturated, but marketing to developers is no easy feat. They don't necessarily want to be marketed to. And so that was a kind of funny and tricky persona that I had never explored before. And it really, you had to get creative and you had to think of ways to keep them engaged and involved and um, make it seem like they weren't just sitting on a marketing webinar, which um, I think we were able to achieve. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, and it's something I actually probably raised with a team because we're sort of dipping our toe into this stuff at the moment. And I just thought it was a really interesting idea. Um, to be fair, actually, let's lead me on to our next topic and question quite nicely because um, I did want to dive a little bit more into ABM. Um, and I do think that demand gen and ABM are intrinsically linked. I don't think they're opposing each other. They feed into each other quite naturally. Um, so it'd be good to get an idea of sort of like just beyond um, move to MongoDB, your own experience of ABM um, and maybe get an idea of sort of what ABM plays maybe you're running um, at Calm at the moment. Yeah, totally. So in terms of ABM at Calm, we are like just starting to scratch the surface. And I think an important thing to call out there is we recently um, have moved our events manager into more field marketing manager and then back uh, filled that role. And so I think there's such a correlation between field marketing and ABM, and there's a lot you can do with that that is more cost effective and doesn't really call for that like really big fancy ABM platform. Um, in talking about ABM, I think everybody kind of has their different opinions on what ABM really means, and I think it means something different to most organizations whether that's uh, one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, I think the most important aspect about ABM is that you are thoughtful and strategic in your account personalization. And um, account personalization also means different things to different people. It doesn't just mean slapping a logo on an ebook or um, targeting ads. I think really getting into the nitty gritty of what we're solving for, what those pain points are, and understanding the company that you are trying to do account-based marketing to is the most important thing in a lot of things that companies overlook. So um, one of my favorite points about ABM and where I tend to gravitate is leveraging ABM for sales cycles or more specifically acceleration campaigns. So like I said, field marketing is a great place to start for ABM in that case, Um, especially if you're doing it in a really strategic way, you're able to kind of find those pain points, whether they are, you know, something that you're solving for within the organization. Um, It could be industry, which isn't always the case. And you're not always going to find that you can bucket these companies by industry Um, at Calm Business. You really can't, but um, sometimes you can. And so using, so for an example, something that I also like to do is these like really small form virtual, which could also be they tow the line of field. And so when it comes down to something like this that I would like to run at Calm and our field marketer, and I kind of talked to her about these things, it's like, where's the divide and who is owning these programs? Because um, there's no true ABM ownership at Calm, but there's a lot of kind of motions that we could be moving towards. So um, like I was saying, one of my favorite ways to do this is through these small, more like roundtable-esque 
virtual events where we do get people that are already having open opportunities, finding what is a similar pain point, what they're solving for within their organizations, getting them together and having it be like an open form of conversation. Um, get them talking about what they are solving for, have it be more of like a networking opportunity for the people that are also joining. And if you can invite a customer, have them be there to kind of share their experiences in the least salesy way. And um, hopefully the goal of these things oftentimes, and I think if done well is not as hard as it sounds, is go in with a really light sales approach, but have the attendees leave still with your solution on their mind. So kind of like guide them towards what you're hoping that they come out of the conversation with without it being like that that pitch conversation and letting them learn from each other around like why these things might make sense. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you made a good point around ABM does seem to mean different things to different people um, and you'll never get sort of one straight answer about what it is um, but I do think for us a lot of it was boils back to is often just relevance um, and being relevant to the buyer um, and I think that's a really important um, point you raised about bringing those people together um, and bucketing them by sort of the similar pain points and the shared pain points that they have um, I imagine, to be honest, like that's something we could potentially look into a cognizant as well, because ultimately what we're trying to find is like if we do set up sort of like smaller, unscalable events, how do you make those as relevant and as interesting as possible? Um, and I suppose that does facilitate the conversation in quite a natural way. Um, so, yeah, that's something I can keep in mind myself. <laughs> I'm yeah, totally. And it's even like we have our sales teams running similar motions as well. And the difference with account personalization and even just knowing down to their pain points and having that knowledge and really spending the time to understand that account is it makes it so much more interesting for them to be able to talk about and for them to want to share information when one, you like clearly are in the know of what their business needs and two, everybody wants to talk about something that they know a little bit better. And so if you're bringing up pain points that are hyper relevant to them, then they'll be an open book and they'll do the talking for you. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, something to take away from it as well. Um, I think for the next sort of topic, I'd like to just quickly touch on um, this question. So we've talked about a lot. We talked about ABM, we talked about demand gen, talked about different types of campaigns. Um, so there is going to be a distinction to be drawn between different types of campaigns and the goals they have. But in terms of measurement and metrics for different types of campaigns that you guys are currently running like what sort of metrics are you guys most looking at um in a general sense um but i can imagine depending on the goals it's gonna it's gonna change right so the main metrics that i focus on for the majority of my programs and campaigns are sqos so sales qualified opportunities um i do keep an eye on like webinar registrants content downloads for any of these integrated campaigns and then um, at a high level, we are gold on influence pipeline and source pipeline. We are gold, I will mention, we are gold on MQLs as well, but it's not so much something that we're focusing on. Can kind of get into the, the vanity metric um, vein, but we are gold on them. They do inform our overall like health of like leads that we're bringing in. And we also like to support our inbound sales team. So we do make sure that we're hitting those numbers. Mm. So very much gold on 
the the pipeline the revenue figures yeah. with you guys are more looking at well you guys are also looking at leading indicators the mqls the content downloads the webinar things to inform what's going on just to keep track of sort of how things are performing more generally right cool great um okay and i've got our final question and we love to end on this um every time we do the loop so if you could tell marketers to stop doing one thing um to tell them to start doing one thing um so wait i've got the question wrong i've always <laughs> i always always it's always gets one two seconds let me just read this back to myself okay so what's one thing you tell marketers to stop doing and what's one thing you tell them to start doing based on what you're seeing in the market right now Ooh. okay so i guess it's kind of a similar answer for both um it might be cheating but um think outside the box you know stand out with your campaigns and your messaging i think especially in b2b Somewhere along the line, everybody got this memo that it has to be boring and stale because we're marketing to businesses. And that just shouldn't be the case. I think more now than ever, you need to have that messaging that stands out because I think a lot of companies right now are playing it safe. And um, if you can, you know, find that quippy messaging and that voice that really is relatable to your prospects and something that is enjoyable for them to either see or watch or read really does make a difference. So don't be, don't be scared to kind of liven things up a little. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, I think that's one thing we, we do try and make an effort at Cognizant um, as well is the, well, especially our CMO Alice has always given us the ability and the space to take risks in what we're doing. Um, but I appreciate that can be incredibly hard when you work in certain B2B marketing teams and certain companies where that culture isn't built in. Um, but I do think you can always find areas in what you're doing, whether that's just something as simple as like experimenting with email copy, experimenting with ad copy and doing things that just take little risks that you can sort of start to show the results and start to show we're doing things a little bit differently here. And you can start to scout up into bigger campaigns, into bigger initiatives. Um, and that's where you start to see things really move the needle because you subvert expectations and you do things outside the norm of B2B, um, which I do think is a really important point. Yeah. And to your point too, like it, a lot of it does come from like top-down leadership, having a marketing leader who's comfortable with thinking outside the box in that way. That's a really important piece because not all teams are, and I will say even with Calm Business, you know, we are talking talking about a really real and sensitive topic around mental health. And so you have to do it in a way that works the best for your business. But um, yeah, oftentimes, you know, having that leadership support you is the first step in doing so. Definitely. Um Great. Well, Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you having on the loop. It's been a great conversation. Um, that's all we've got time for today. Um, but again, really appreciate you being here. Um, and yeah, it's been a great episode. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm happy to join. Thanks again. Cool. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time on the loop.